You're listening to ReachMD. Welcome to Genetically Speaking, produced in cooperation with the American Society of Human Genetics, advancing human genetics in science, health, and society. Now here's your host, Dr. Howard Levy, medical geneticist in Lutherville, Maryland, an assistant professor at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. I'm Dr. Howard Levy, your host, coming to you from the American Society of Human Genetics meeting in San Diego. And with me today is Dr. David Ledbetter, Executive Vice President and Chief Scientific Officer of Geisinger Health System. Today, we'll be discussing integration of genomics throughout a health system. Welcome, David. Thank you, Howard. It's great to be here. First off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current position and how you came to acquire it and where you're hoping to go with it. Yeah, I moved to uh, Geisinger Health System four years ago from a traditional academic background at Emory University most recently and University of Chicago prior to that. Uh, the attraction to Geisinger is it's an integrated healthcare system, which means it has clinical provider side as well as a health plan that partner together to determine how to keep people healthy, improve patient outcomes, and reduce the total cost of care, and has had an interest uh, in using genomics and personalized medicine to determine when and how genomics information might contribute to improved health and well-being and improving patient outcomes. And I understand you've developed a medical genomics team to move science forward in that direction? Right. So the first thing I did when I came four years ago was recruit a very strong team of physician geneticists and genetic counselors and laboratory experts in genetics, as well as recruit a senior director of bioethics who was uh, familiar with genomics data, data privacy, and other issues. There already existed a large biobank project uh, to uh, consent patients into the biobank to donate blood for DNA samples for genomics studies. We've greatly expanded uh, that biobank and genomics project uh, over the last four years. Uh, and continue to grow that program and had anticipated that as we built this infrastructure, NIH or other major federal funders would have grant requests for applications to do large-scale population studies in genomics and health. That hasn't happened yet, but we recently, in January of this past year, entered into a collaboration with a pharmaceutical company, Regeneron Pharmaceuticals in uh, Terrytown, New York, that has a long history of strong genetics research, primarily in mouse models, now has a state-of-the-art genome sequencing facility for human sequencing, and together we have a project that's now well underway to sequence by whole exome sequencing at least 100,000 patients in our system. Uh, And our interest in that is determining when and how that genomic information uh, has health implications and can help us to prevent disease or improve outcomes of patients who will ultimately develop particular disorders. And for the benefit of our listeners who may not be as into the genetics lingo as you and I are, how about a short explanation of what an exome is as opposed to a genome? The exome is uh, looking at all the functional genes that code for protein. So the functional component, which is only about uh, 2 or 3% of the total DNA uh, in every cell in our body, the genome would be sequencing the genes plus all the other DNA that we, for the most part, don't know uh, what it does. So we're looking at the low-hanging fruit in the DNA and looking at genes and particularly focusing on genes where we already know what phenotypes or diseases the genes are associated with. So how far have you come in this project so far? 
So the project was uh, launched in January of 2014. So there was a bit of a ramp-up time on our side to expand our recruitment and consenting process for our patients, both in primary care clinics as well in specialty clinics, particularly weight management, obesity clinic, cardiovascular clinics. And there was a scale-up process on the Regeneron side to set up a large-scale sequencing facility, de novo, but they are now sequencing a 1,000 patient samples per week, so it's now in a pretty high gear. So we're anticipating we'll sequence 100,000 patients in the next 18 months or so. 100,000 over the next 18 months. And approximately how many in the 10 months that you've been live so far? So we're approaching 10,000 patients uh, by the end of this month, 20,000 by the end of this calendar year. So it's scaling up quickly. It's scaling up very quickly. Any preliminary data to report back? Yet? Not to report back other than we our first analysis in terms on the Geisinger side is to examine the 56 genes that the American College of Medical Genetics has determined have sufficient evidence base that if you find a clear functional mutation that would knock out the function of the gene and put someone at high risk of cancer or cardiovascular disease, that we are analyzing those genes with the intent to return the clinically actionable results to our patients who have volunteered for research. We'll return it in a clinical setting with medical genetics physicians and genetic counselors participating with the primary care physician of the patient or research subject involved. If you're just joining us, you're listening to ReachMD. I'm Dr. Howard Levy, and I'm speaking with Dr. David Ledbetter from the Geisinger Health System. We're talking about integration of genomics throughout a healthcare system, and in particular about Geisinger's collaborative project with Regeneron Systems sequencing exomes of multiple primary care patients and reporting back on the findings. Let's talk more about those findings and reporting them back to patients. Have you had a chance to actually come back to individual patients with their results yet? We have not yet returned any results. We've just gotten the initial data, which we were happy to see that the percentage of functional mutations or loss of function mutations in the list of 56 genes by the American College was right at the percentage other research groups have reported. About 2% of our patients have a putative loss of function mutation. Because Regeneron is not operating as a clinical laboratory or CLIA-certified laboratory, we have a DNA sample preserved in a CLIA environment at Geisinger where we will do now an independent clinical confirmation of those putative mutations prior to rendering a clinical laboratory report and then counseling the patient about that result. Mm -hmm. I suspect that your goal is to do a lot more than just search for these 56 ACMG genes and report that information back to patients. What other types of research are you planning to do with this? So the research opportunity is pretty uh, mind-boggling because uh, we will have data on all of the predicted 20,000 genes in the current exome uh, format. And the other reason I went to Geisinger, it was a very early adopter of electronic medical record, initially EPIC and now uh, EPIC and Cerner. So we have longitudinal clinical data on our patients dating back to 1996, so almost 20 years of longitudinal health data on these patients. And so the opportunity to compare genetic variation with their longitudinal health history uh, is pretty staggering in terms of genotype, phenotype, correlations, and discovery research. Obviously, our main interest is how to 
then prospectively use those new correlations to predict risk of disease and to offer interventions to avoid disease for individuals at very high risk. How about the computing power to do that? Geisinger has a very advanced health IT group. Uh, we're experts on electronic medical record and other clinical data warehousing. We, at the moment, internally don't have as strong genomic bioinformatics expertise. Regeneron has built a strong bioinformatics pipeline and uh, group. Uh, we're also looking to collaborate with other strong bioinformatics, computational genomics uh, people, uh, colleagues, uh, in the analysis and interpretation of the data. We already participate in a number of clinically-oriented genomics projects, like the EMERGE project funded by the NIH. It, EMERGE stands for Electronic Medical Records and Genomics Data. So we've been involved with that for uh, four years with a number of other uh, institutions and have a lot of strong uh, bioinformatics collaborations and experience through that. That's fantastic. As I'm sure you know well, the electronic medical record is not always looked upon favorably by many healthcare providers, and there are certainly some downsides. And along that same line, it can be challenging to extract clinical data in a way that is amenable to computer processing and running algorithms. In many ways, it's actually simpler to look at the individual nucleotides of the genetic code as opposed to distilling what we clinicians might put into a record and converting that to massageable data. How's so, Geisinger solving so that's that problem? The, that's very true of uh, all electronic medical record systems sort of off the shelf and initially installed since we've had ours since 1996. We've built a lot of custom tools at Geisinger to make our ability to search in the clinical data warehouse, not directly in the EMR, both for our own operational purposes, but also as a research tool. So you have to have or build a number of tools to make the data more uh, accessible for research purposes. Uh, so most big health systems that have had their electronic medical records for long enough have built such clinical data warehouses and tools to allow them to get better quality data, more accessible data than the EHR by itself allows you to do. And have you had to ask your clinicians to change the way they document, or has your system grown up around the clinician and just pulled the data out as they do their job? The latter. So the system tries to take away as much burden as possible from the clinicians and other healthcare providers, make it transparent to them. Uh, we do this through a very extensive uh, IT group uh, and data analytics group who build the tools and then uh, import the data from the EHR into a much more user-friendly way for the research community and other uh, people. So what types of benefits are accruing at this point to the healthcare providers in the Geisinger system? So it's early, so I can't claim that we have any uh, success stories in terms of actually impacting healthcare, improving healthcare, or making the physician's jobs easier yet. So that's uh, promissory at the moment now. We're eager to see the initial uh, sequence data coming from Regeneron and shared with Geisinger. But we can make some simple predictions uh, from just the American College of Medical Genetics list. If we just use breast cancer and the BRCA1 and 2 genes, we expect that we should find at least one loss of function mutation per thousand individuals tested. And as you know, as a geneticist, for a dominant, autosomal dominant disorder like that, once we find one person with a functional mutation, 
there's a very high likelihood of finding other close relatives, so-called first-degree relatives, and we would expect six or seven relatives. So out of 100,000 people, we'll find at least 100 mutations times six or seven, so six or seven hundred people that could be at very high risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer and may be unaware and not yet symptomatic. So they and their physician and the healthcare system may be unaware, and then we have some options to talk about uh, prophylactic intervention when the patient may be interested in that. Very exciting. How about from the patient's perspective? Is everybody at Geisinger, every patient at Geisinger automatically enrolled in this research, or is this something that they're asked to participate in? So we're expanding the uh, information available to patients about opportunities to join our recruiters, as I uh, alluded to earlier, are based in a number of primary care clinics as well as a number of uh, specialty clinics, and they approach patients in the clinic setting, explain to them what so-called MyCode project, uh, which is the Geisinger name of our biobanking and genomics uh, project. And so we're expanding that uh, as rapidly as we can to make it uh, an opportunity uh, eventually for all Geisinger patients to participate. So it's being offered to them, but it's not happening without their knowledge. No, no. It's uh, it's is based on a full informed consent process currently in a face-to-face interview and educational session by a uh, research coordinator. We are exploring the possibility since uh, about 40% of our patients access their physician and healthcare system on a regular basis with an online portal. We now have the ability to put information about research studies and to recruit and consent patients into research studies through this online portal. So we will be exploring use of that online portal to let patients know about the genomic sequencing project and to recruit them into the study. So I'm aware that Geisinger has been a leader with their patient portal, releasing test results to patients, as well as the Open Notes project, sharing doctors' notes with their patients. What about the fact that this testing is being done on a research basis, and therefore, if it's not clinical, are there some concerns about releasing the sequencing data through that patient portal? So although it's uh, the primary motivation of this study is as a clinical research project, uh, so the patients are not charged for it. We feel as a healthcare system, we have an obligation to return any clinically useful result back to an individual patient and to help them make it available to other relevant family members. So all of the loss of function mutations identified by Regeneron will be independently confirmed in a clinical laboratory setting. There will be a formal clinical laboratory report and then the opportunity for a genetic counseling session about the implications of that result. So what I'm hearing you say is the basic research data is not being made available, but anything that is identified by the team as clinically relevant is then being retested in a clinical lab, confirmed, and that clinical test result is what's being made available to them. That's correct. Sounds fantastic. Wonderful. I think that's all the time we've got. Again, my thanks to our guest, Dr. David Ledbetter. We've been discussing the integration of genomics throughout a health system. I'm your host, Dr. Howard Levy, and please join us next time. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring podcasts of this and other series. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Genetically Speaking on ReachMD. If you missed any part of this discussion, you can download this segment and others in the series at reachmd.com genetics. Thank you for listening.